Money Talk is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex to be considered before becoming a client of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Securities are offered through HBEC Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC. Annex Wealth Management and HBEC are unaffiliated. This program may contain forward-looking statements which may not come true. Please consult with an advisor about your specific situation. Taking the mystery out of investing with answers to your financial questions. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald from Annex Wealth Management. On WTMJ. Know the difference? It's Team Tech Trust. Welcome. This is Money Talk. It's Annex Wealth Management, Saturday, March 23rd. Dave Spano on the road. I'm Danny Clayton. Derek Felsky is here. Mark Oswald is here. I don't know about you, but with 52 degrees, I am going to be out in the yard later on this afternoon. Well, it's about time, right? I mean, this spring has been a long time coming, for now, sure. Now, our, our downtown dweller, Derek, no yard, but I'm sure a golf course is beckoning sometime soon. Well, my, my club probably won't open for about two to three weeks, but I know some of the public courses are actually open today. All right, we'll see you out there later. Let's do the week in review. Very interesting. Well, for sure, and, and probably the biggest news of the week, there came at the very end on Friday with that yield curve, and you know, we talk a lot about that on the show. We talk about the inverted yield curve, and for a lot of people, that's a foreign concept. So just, you know, in the basics, what does that have to do with the stock markets? Well, you know, one of the things on the investment committee, Mark, that we look at the most is, you know, what are what are the signs of a, a reversal in the stock market in terms of its long-term performance? What could trigger a bear market? And one of the major ones is a, is a recession, uh, no matter how you get there, whether it's from a Fed policy mistake, uh, some sort of geopolitical event, valuations just become coming excessive and the like. And the yield curve has actually been a fairly good predictor of recession, a recessionary environment. In fact, the last nine times uh, the yield curve is inverted. What I mean is a three-month Treasury bill rate is higher than the 10-year note rate. It has led to a recession, but not right away. This is simply symptomatic of an economy that has grown, that is mature, and, and the bond market is actually seeing a slowing economy much more so than the Fed, Fed has. And that's why oftentimes the Fed is the one that really triggers the recession. So, Derek, when you start thinking about what a normal, quote-unquote, normal yield curve looks like, you think about three months, then 10 years, then 20 years, then 30 years in maturity, and usually you get paid more the longer you wait. And that's, that's precisely that's, right. That's the yield curve, right? So what you're talking about is when the short end is higher than the longer end. So in this case, a three-month Treasury bond has a higher yield than the 10-year Treasury bond, which means that people are buying those 10-year bonds. Money's going into those bonds right now, which is driving that yield down below the short-term rate. So that's really telling you something about the psychology of the investors around the world right now and what they think about the global economy. Yeah, I really do think the U.S. is essentially being penalized for an overseas slowdown in growth. And part of that, you know, is engendered by the Trump administration's issues on these on tariffs and trade, not just with China, but also with the EU. It just leads business leaders to hold back on spending or investing in the in the absence of a deal. And that results in, you know, lower demand, uh, lower inflationary pressures, slower growth, slower CapEx. And it's now 
negatively impacting the U.S. economy to a degree. And you think about yields around the world. I mean, you, you see the German bond this this week, also on Friday, going into negative territory again. When you think about that, right, and you start thinking about where do you put fixed income investments from around the world, you're not putting them into Germany right now or into Italy or other bonds like that. You're probably putting your money into U.S. Treasury bonds, and that ex- continues to drive that yield lower. It has, and in, in many ways it's helped the Fed do its job. You know, the dollar has remained strong, which has curved inflationary pressures here. We've had downward pressures from overseas buying in the Treasury market. But the other big impact here, and the one sector that really took it on the chin this week, was the banking sector, particularly regional banks. Because if you think about it, if you're a regional bank, you're borrowing short and lending long. And the flatter the yield curve, the less profit margin you have that you can make based on, on those loans. And this is one of the reasons an inverted yield curve leads to a slowdown. It's because essentially if you're a regional bank and you can get two and a half percent on the short end, why would you loan, make a long-term loan to someone else at the same rate? You wouldn't. Why would you take the risk for, for zero premium? And that, and that's one of the things that, which is why we do look at the yield curve as a, as an advanced indicator of a potential recessionary environment. I need to take you back to one thing that you said because I think it's a really important thing because I think there's going to be people who are listening this morning who think that this now means a recession is going to happen very quickly. And I think that that is, that that's the wrong message to take from what we're trying to say this morning. This is one signpost. This is one possible signpost of a recession that may come, but it could be six months from now. It could be two years from now. Absolutely. It's no different than a, a sprinkle, a, you know, light dusting of rain and a thunderstorm. Just because it's sprinkling doesn't mean we're going to have a thunderstorm. It could stop sprinkling, but it's an indicator that we look at on the investment committee along with other things. Like one, you know, another thing I would bring up is, you know, we're starting to see some hot IPO activity. Lyft is going to be coming public. Pinterest announced that they're coming public. Uh, Levi's recently did a deal. Uh, so the I- IPO market is heated up a little bit, and that does show you that there are inv- places and investors out there are willing to invest in startup or very you know unprofitable companies in some cases. And we can talk more about that and just what the markets did this week after the break. Certainly. It's uh, 10-12 at WTMJ. We will do that. Hey, I want to remind you that uh, we've got another Destination Retirement Are We There Yet workshop coming up. This is a pre-retirement thing. This is just so good, and it's really, really been popular at our branches. This one will be downtown. It's going to be at our newest branch, which is the Fister, and it happens on Wednesday the 3rd, which is coming up pretty quick, so not next Wednesday, the following Wednesday, Destination Retirement, a little over an hour. We'll kind of walk you through that. So if you live or work in the downtown area, we'd love to see you there. It's a 6 o'clock start. You can register today. You can do that right now uh, by going to our website and uh, clicking that Events tab. You'll look in the upper right right corner you'll see events and you can sign up for that again destination retirement this is money talk annex wealth management on wtmj money tips that don't cost a thing this is money talk with dave spano and mark oswald on wtmj it's money talk annex wealth management know the difference it is team tech trust you can start today today you can do it today at annexwealth.com just click that get started button get that free portfolio analysis so guys this week there was a fed announcement that was no announcement was that news well, when you get the Fed meeting, guys, there's there's always something that comes out of that because there's notes that come from the Fed meeting as to what was discussed and all that kind of stuff. But we had really a pivot, Derek, in, in the approach that the Fed is taking. You think back to December before we had the market correction, and the Fed was taking a pretty hawkish approach to maybe the next couple of years. They were saying that there might be multiple rate increases in 2019 and 2020. They've really turned 180 degrees on that now. Yeah, they truly have. And it, it again, it just 
illustrates the point that you've really got to watch. We talk about the Fed on this show all the time, but you really have to pay attention to what they do because it does affect the valuation of just about every asset class there is, including you know art and gold and dot the dollar and everything else. And and basically, I think they were looking for three hikes in 2019 as you know last September. That dropped down to two hikes after the last meeting. And in this meeting, they announced that they expect no hikes in 2019. Not only did they do that, but they also said they're going to stop the, the, the runoff on their balance sheet in September, which is way earlier than people thought. As you recall, Mark, before the financial crisis, the Fed balance sheet was under a hundred, was under a trillion dollars. Yeah, about a trillion dollars. And so they're going to stop with it here at 3.5 trillion, which some would argue gives them less ammunition with which to save off a financial crisis down the road. Uh, so that was obviously a dovish, dovish move on their part. And by that, I mean they're willing to allow the economy to run without putting you know, the infringement of higher rates in front of it. They also reduced their GDP growth forecast, their inflation forecasts. And afterwards, you know, they said they're going to be patient. And I think what we're seeing now, you know, whether it was FedEx's report earlier this week, Mark, or the German data that, that came out on Friday, the global economy is clearly slowing. The U.S. economy is clearly slowing. So they were right to pivot when they did. And I think the market sniffed that out, which is why we've had that sharp rally since Christmas Eve. So what does that mean for like the, the people who are out there this morning, whether you're a stock investor or a bond investor? I always look at those two things differently because what the Fed does affects each one of those asset classes a little differently for sure. So we're talking about an accommodative Fed on the one hand, and then you're talking about what the markets might do with this inverted yield curve that we talked about in the first segment of the show. Balance those two things a little bit for stock investors. Is it time to get out of the stock market? Well, that's a, there are about 11 questions in there. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, let's go through them one by one. Uh, ba- you know, basically the bond market is, is a numbers game, right? You're looking at growth and inf- expectations of future inflations. And right now, the bond market is typically better at sniffing out what the growth trajectory of the economy is going to be than the, the stock investors. And the principal valuation criteria used in valuing stocks is interest rates. And if interest rates are starting to move up, uh, the PE multiple that you're willing to pay for equities ought to go down commensurately. And so what we're seeing right now is the Fed is essentially saying that they've reached the neutral rate. Now, you and I, Mark, in our careers would never have thought the neutral rate was 2.5% on Fed funds. I mean, when, when I got in the business, the, you know, we're getting 10% in money funds, which gives some idea of how long I've been doing this. Uh, and rates are significantly lower, and the economy is different. Demographics are different. So when I think about what investors need to do is when the Fed is on your side, you want to be aggressive. That's when multiples expand. That's what earnings expectations rise. But when the Fed turns against you, you need to be a little bit more defensive, a little bit more tactical. And really think about sectors that can benefit. Like this year, utilities and REITs, which are incredibly expensive based on our work, have led the market and, and frankly, made new all-time highs, while where the S&P stalled off 3% from its highs. So it really, I think, involves a portfolio review and tactical thinking. Yeah, and I think that's a great takeaway because that's where I land on it. You know, to answer my own question, is it time to get out of the stock market? The answer is no. I mean, when you start thinking about the the unknown timing of a potential recession somewhere down the road, you don't make wholesale changes in your portfolio at this point in time. But I think your point is well taken, which is it would be a good time to look at rebalancing. It would be a good time to look at a portfolio review and see what sectors you're exposed to that might be affected differently than other sectors of the market, looking at that asset allocation. Reviewing your risk, again, is always something that you might want to do as well. So if you're interested in doing that, this would be a good opportunity to do that. A lot of things going on right now, Danny, in the markets, and it would be a good healthy time to stop 
do some spring cleaning in your portfolio, and get yourself set for moving forward. Yep, and uh, we mentioned this earlier. You can start today. I mean, right now, here, sitting at 1021 in the morning on a Saturday morning. Go to AnnexWealth.com, click that Get Started button, get going with that free portfolio analysis. Another thing we do is a free port uh, annuity analysis. Annuities are very confusing. In fact, we're going to talk about that next. Also on the way, right after the news, is Ask Annex. It's a question we get a lot. What is the minimum I need to invest to be a client of Annex? The uh, answer might surprise you. Uh, that's on the way. It's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, Saturday, March 23rd on WTMJ. From simple investments to stock advice, back to Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Know the difference? It is Team Tech Trust. This is Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management for Saturday, March 23rd. I'm Danny Clayton, the only boy in the studio because we're going to talk about women, wealth, and wisdom. Deanne Phillips, our Director of Client Learning and Development, is here. Hey, Deanne. Hey, Danny. Jackie Sklen, our Branch Director, Lake Country Office, is here. Hey, Jackie. Hi, Danny. Thanks Welcome. for having me. Hey, first off, I just uh, tell us a little bit about the Delafield Branch. I know you guys are busy all the time. We've got a lot going on in Delafield. We're in a great location where the corner, basically the corner, of I-94 and Highway 83 behind Marty's Pizza and Target at the end of the frontage road there, if you're familiar with the area. That's good navigation. Yeah. And you're also a wrestling mom. I am a wrestling mom. It's a very difficult position to be in. You've been to plenty of matches. I've spent a lot of weekends in a gymnasium. You may spend them in a radio studio, but I spend them in a gymnasium. But wouldn't have it any other way. Well, that's what boys do. Let's talk about uh, women, wealth, and wisdom. And Deanne, that's kind of your thing. You've got something coming up called the Annuity Enigma, which is happening pretty quickly, Wednesday, April 10th at 6 o'clock. Annuities, we've we've talked a plenty about annuities on the show. They are so misunderstood, often maligned. It can be a valid part of somebody's retirement portfolio if it's done properly. No, it absolutely can, Danny. That's true. So, you know, they're meant to guard against living too long. So conversely, life insurance protects you from dying too young. When you look at those two, if you have an annuity, it's important to do a deep dive analysis, understand the expenses, understand any surrender charges, understand the taxation of that when you pull something out. But most importantly, have an understanding of why you have it. And the reason we're doing this seminar is just because they're so confusing. This is a chance for people to kind of gather and kind of figure it out. Jackie, I've got to think that in your years in the business, you have seen just about every shape and form of annuity. It is interesting, Danny. You know, after 30 years, I guess I like to say that there are no two annuities that are alike because you really have to get under the surface to truly understand what the annuity can provide for you. Lots of different features and benefits. Sometimes we refer referred to them as bells and whistles, so it's important to understand. And bells and whistles sometimes add cost, is that correct? Bells and whistles yeah. can add cost. Those are typically are called an annuity rider. A rider on an annuity can provide guarantees such as a guaranteed death benefit. It can provide you a guaranteed income stream for your whole life, so it's a way to create a, a pension basically for yourself. So a main purpose of annuities is to give that guaranteed income stream, but we also have to remember that there are a couple other income streams that we turn on for life too. For example, if we have an IRA, we are mandated at the age of 70 and a half to take money out by a formula because the IRS wants their tax because we've been putting money away tax deferred. Also, Social Security is a type of pension as well. So if you have that pension also, if, if those dying animals, Social Security, your RMD, requirement minimum distribution, and that annuity potential income stream, you 
you've got a lot of different liquidity and tax events to manage, potentially from between when you retire up into your 70s. So we're talking about Women, Wealth, and Wisdom Group with the Annuity Enigma. It happens Wednesday, April 10th at 6 o'clock. And we've talked about the mishmash before. you got a little bit of this, a little bit of that, like Deanne was just referring to. And a lot of people don't understand what they've got with annuities. And that's what this workshop is for. It is indeed. We're going to cover also eight things the annuity salesperson doesn't want you to know about annuities. A lot of it is things like you can't change your mind, you're locked in, and the fees that are involved with this. We have a lot of people that come to us and say, gosh, why don't I feel like this is growing? Well, those fees eat up part of your total return. It's important to understand those fees, too, because there are fees for mortality charges, there are fees for the sub-accounts, meaning the investment options, and again, the fees for the riders. And in our experience, we have seen fees anywhere from two to three and a half, sometimes even further percent. So if you're feeling like your annuity isn't growing, it could be because of those fees. So that is the reason why we're doing this workshop. These are a misunderstood animal. There are pros and cons to them, good things, bad things. The important thing is knowing what you have, knowing the difference, understanding what you have. And that's why Annex is so key on education. And that's why we have a team that does a deep dive on the analytics of an annuity for anyone who wants that analysis to really have a better understanding of what they have. So again, that's the Women, Wealth, and Wisdom Group presenting the Annuity Enigma on Wednesday, April 10th at 6 p.m., at our Annex Wealth Management Elm Grove headquarters. You can register at AnnexWealth.com. Click the Events tab right up on the upper right. These events are always complimentary. They always bring a friend. They do fill up, so please register soon. Jackie, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Nice job, guys. It's uh, 1030 at uh, WTMJ. Got 30 minutes left in the show. Still to come, we've got to ask Annex. We're going to cover a couple of things, including IPOs. What is Annex's view on IPOs? I, I am very interested in that. Uh, Derek Felsky sticking around for that. Also, estate planning. Do you have to be a Rockefeller to have an estate plan? And the answer, I mean, the spoiler alert is no, you don't. It's a good idea. Jill Martin is our estate planning attorney. She is going to be here to cover that. Still more to come. AnnexWealth.com is the website. Get that free portfolio analysis, the free annuity analysis. You can do that right now today at AnnexWealth.com. Just kick click that uh, get started button get professional help with your portfolio this is money talk with dave spano and mark oswald on wtmj welcome back it's money talk annex wealth management saturday march 23rd hope you're enjoying the great weekend it's time for ask annex on uh, wtmj and money talk you can submit your questions at our website at annexwealth.com just look for the ask button our first one comes from morris and he actually starts with i have a couple of questions i have approximately four hundred thousand dollars in a 401k from a past employer with fidelity I also have approximately $100,000 in my private IRA and TD Ameritrade. I'm not able to contribute to either of these funds at this time. My job was eliminated last June. I now work for about half the income I previously had. Will Annex work with me even though I'm not able to contribute more at the present time to my existing accounts? And then his last part of his question is, Mark, what is the minimum investment amount required to work with Annex? Okay, well, let's take those in order. 
and uh, we'll take that last question last. First of all, congratulations on saving that much in your 401k plan. When you start thinking about having money at Fidelity, Fidelity is a big player in the retirement plan space. So if he has about 400000 Fidelity is one of the custodians that we use, one of the independent custodians. We use TD Ameritrade, Charles Schwab, and Fidelity Institutional. So if it's in a plan at Fidelity, the idea would be to roll it out of the plan but keep it at Fidelity. That's one of your options. So you could move to Annex, get an advisory relationship with us, and keep those assets at Annex. The fact that you're not contributing to the 401k anymore has no bearing on that decision whatsoever. So you can certainly, you know, help us help you because we do this all the time. It's it's a couple strokes of a pen. We can do it through DocuSign. You just hook in with us, Morris, and then when it's time to move those assets out of the plan, we simply move it to Fidelity Institutional or TD Ameritrade or whatever it might be. If you have money at TD Ameritrade, we can combine them all together into two separate accounts, the rollover IRA and the regular IRA, but keep them at TD Ameritrade. Now, Danny, on to the last question about the minimum. We get asked this a lot at Annex Wealth Management. When you're a wealth management firm, there's some people who think, well, I'm not wealthy, so therefore this is not for me. That's not the case because we have decided long ago that financial planning and wealth management is for everybody. So we even started this program called Annex Ignite, and the Ignite was the idea of getting started, get something started, start the fire, right? So Annex Ignite is for people that are just starting out that want to have a relationship but don't need need all of the estate planning per se, maybe don't need all the tax planning of a business owner or whatever it might be. So Annex Ignite is a way to start the process of financial planning. So Morris, if you're interested in doing either of those things, either rolling that 401k over, getting that IRA under the management of a professional investment management firm, or looking at a relationship, there is no minimum, we'd be happy to help. Good. Mark Oswald, thank you very much. Derek uh, Felske, our Chief Investment Officer, sticking around. We have a couple of uh, investing questions for you. Our first is from Neil. What is your opinion of IPOs? There are several compelling issues scheduled, and he says Levi's and Lyft, but it seems the individual investor is shut out. So first off, Levi's went public this past week. In your eyes, was that a successful IPO for uh, Levi's? Oh, for sure. Um, you know, it, it used to be. I mean, I, I, you know, just as a bit of background, when I prior to joining Annex, I was a fund manager at American Century and Strong. And and one of the things that occurs when you're a fund manager is you tend to generate a lot of uh, commission revenue for investment banks, and it's investment banks that typically bring these these companies public. So, you know, when you're an institution like uh, I was at Strong, I would be able to get allocations on these IPOs, which were, you know, poised to, to rocket higher after the initial print, primarily because we did a lot of business with them. So a retail investor typically will not be able to get any allocation in an IPO before it's priced. And the important thing to distinguish between is it's priced at a level, but it will open at another level, oftentimes way above uh, where it was initially priced. And in, in times like that, many institutional investors might say, well, it's too rich for me, and they'll sell the public comes in and buys, they get squashed by all these sell orders. So you really have to do your fundamental homework on the company. I mean, when they do the road shows, you get you get good information. The other thing about an IPO is typically they have what they call a lockup period. After a certain period of time, insiders are able to sell their shares. So an IPO typically is a very small percentage of the ultimate shares that are outstanding, which tends to overvalue the company by virtue of a lack of supply. But when that other stock comes available, you find that there are a lot of sellers that all of a sudden appear 
appear out of nowhere. So I would be very cautious with IPOs. They're not something we participate in with Annex because we are an independent, you know, we use independent custodians. We do not get rewarded for where we place our trades and so on. You know, the other thing I would say about that from a risk management compliance standpoint is you probably don't want shares in an IPO that you can get your hands on. Essentially, what's happened at that point in time is the Goldman Sachs or the investment bank has run out of buyers and they're getting those shares off to people that are the retail investor. If you can get your hands on uh, on shares in an IPO, you probably want to stay well, away. Well, that's funny because it reminds me of something Ted Turner said to me at an investment conference one time. He said, as far as whiskey goes, we drink the best and sell you the rest. It's pure Derek Felscare, Chief Investment Officer. It's 1040 at WTMJ. This is Money Talk Annex Wealth Management. If we sound like a match for you, we'd love to talk to you. Our website is AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. The first step is a free portfolio analysis. Absolutely uh, no obligation on your part. You'll just kind of see how we operate. Offices at Elm Grove, Mequon, Lake Country, Appleton, downtown at the Fister, and then Annex Everywhere. If you could hear this radio station, uh, we would uh, love to work with you. So again, AnnexWealth.com. That's the website. Time is money. Make the most of yours with Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Know the difference? It's Team Tech Trust. This is a team segment. We're going to talk about estate planning with estate planning attorney for Annex Wealth Management, Joe Martin. Joe, welcome back. Thanks, Danny. Oh, estate planning, it sounds complex. And that's why Annex Wealth Management has experts like you in place and ready to help. Let's talk about some of the common things that people might encounter. First would be like inheriting IRAs or qualified plan funds. Let's, let's talk about those IRAs first. What do we need to know about inherited IRAs? So when you inherit an IRA, you've got a couple of options depending on whether the original account owner was already taking required minimum distributions or not. Um, but generally, there's going to be a couple of options for non-spouses. You can take a lump sum of your share of that IRA. Not great from a tax standpoint, but it's feasible. You could potentially spread it out over a five-year period, but again, you're going to recognize tax on all of those distributions. Or the option that we like for a lot of clients at Annex that works is, is to do something called a beneficiary or inherited IRA, where you can stretch out the income tax over your life expectancy. As a matter of fact, I've got one of those. As you know, I lost my dad about six months ago, and and so I wound up with one. And through the excellent guidance of you and your department and man. Andy, that's what we're doing. So, okay, that makes sense. Absolutely. And there are a lot of different options. So it's it's important that when you become a beneficiary and, and someone passes away that you talk to a good advisor who can walk you through all of the consequences, both the pros and the cons of what happens there. And I did. Okay, let's talk about qualified plan funds. And I guess that that's what 401ks, profit-sharing plans, different than IRAs, right? A little bit, because if, if someone passed away while they were still employed and still had a 401k, the options might be a little different depending on what that 401k plan provides. So it's important to make sure that you're looking at what the details are and talking to an advisor about what your options are because you may not have those same options within that qualified plan that you would with an IRA. A little bit more rare, but you see it. You do. If it's out there, we've seen it, right? Absolutely. And the other thing that, that you have to be careful about is those options that we talked about, the lump sum, the five-year, or the inherited option, you have to be really careful because that's for people who are named as direct beneficiaries. It gets really, really tricky if all of a sudden we have a trust or an estate that's named as a beneficiary. There's some really customized planning that can be done in that, but don't just default to have 
your IRA payable to your trust because you think that's what should be done. Boy, I thought my eyes glazed over when I talked to Mandy. <laughs> Here we are talking to Jill Martin. Things you need to know about estate planning. Jill Martin is our estate planning attorney at Annex Wealth Management. Okay, let's go up in a level of complexity probably. Formula trust. They sound complicated and scary. What? What is that? Okay, so we'll try and make this as simple as we can and not, not have your eyes glaze over this time, Danny. Formula clauses in an estate plan were originally designed as a way to help utilize each spouse's estate tax exemption when they passed away to try and minimize or eliminate estate taxes. Okay, So if your estate plan talks about creating a family trust or a credit shelter trust and even a marital trust when the first spouse passes away, you may have something called a formula clause or a funding formula in your estate plan. That was very prevalent back when our estate tax exemptions were 600000 even a million back in the early 2000s and, and before. What's happened, though, is now that our estate tax exemption is $11.4 million, those formulas don't function as well as they used to. And so what happens is if you have that type of an estate plan, it's really critical to go talk to an estate planning attorney to review it and probably update and amend your estate plan to either eliminate that or to make it clear in light of the new exemption level. Jill Martin is our estate planning attorney. I've got to guess you work with our tax team a lot on this stuff. Yep. Talk to Mandy quite a bit. How does state level estate taxes figure in for estate planning? So Wisconsin, we are lucky enough that there is no state level estate tax or an inheritance tax. The last year that we had an estate tax in Wisconsin was 2007. But what happens is, is we have a lot of clients that have properties in other states. And so you need to be aware there are still 12 states and the District of Columbia that have state level estate taxes. So what happens is, and amazingly, Minnesota and Illinois, two of our border states, are two of them. So what happens is, is while the federal exemption is 11.4 million, so you'd only pay estate taxes on assets above and beyond that, states have much different levels. So if it's something where you own property in Minnesota that maybe you have real estate on a lake that's worth maybe $3 million, you may end up having to pay state estate taxes in Minnesota because you're above the state exemption level. So what happens is, is when we've got property in multiple states, we need to make sure we're aware of what are the state estate levels in all of those states where you own property. All I got from that is I'm not buying a lake house in Minnesota. <laughs> Right. Well, yeah, it, it, because what happens is, is states tax things based upon where it's located. So even if you're a Wisconsin resident, if you own property in Minnesota, Minnesota is going to attach to that and there could be tax due on that. Same thing if you own property in Illinois or any of the other states where there's an estate tax at this point. Got it. Yeah. At Annex Wealth Management, we handle financial and retirement planning, investment management, tax planning, 401k plans for business, and your world, Jill Martin, estate and legacy planning. Hey, let's uh, get caught up real quick. I know you're a softball coach. Where are you coaching? How's the team looking? Is the season started? So practice did start last week. Um, so I'm back at Waukesha West again this year. Um, so our numbers are down a little bit, but we're, we're hopeful and optimistic about the season. Spoken just like a coach. Jill Martin, thanks for joining us today. You're welcome. She is um, part of our team, and you can uh, put that team to work at AnnexWealth.com. You can do that today. Don't settle for less. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. It's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, Team Tech.
Trust. Start at AnnexWealth.com. Get a free portfolio analysis. We just talked about uh, the annuity enigma, that uh, seminar that's coming up. If they confuse you, and it sounds like they confuse a lot of people, also get that free annuity analysis that we offer, and also Axiom, which is our weekly newsletter. So, guys, which is harder to explain, Bitcoin or Brexit? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, it's a little confusing on both of those because there's been so much talk about it, Derek, both of these things for so long. When you think about, you know, the, the cryptocurrencies that have come and gone and then, you know, people who went out and bought thousands and thousands of dollars and millions of dollars worth of Bitcoin and, and some of that's evaporated. But, you know, really what's, what was happening this week is on the other topic with Brexit. Certainly, we've been watching that closely because of its impact on the European Union and on trade and all those things that go into it. But there was a little news again towards the end of this week on what's happening with Brexit. Well, the EU granted uh, British Prime Minister Theresa May another couple of weeks with which to get a vote passed through the Parliament. And the irony here is she, she was a person who probably Prior to being elected prime minister, voted to remain, not leave the EU. But as as the vessel of the people, she is forced to basically try to honor their wishes. And the problem is it doesn't seem like the parliament really wants to make a decision here. So we just keep going back and forth. At the same time, people are concerned that if the if the UK left the EU without a deal, that that could cause a real dislocation in trade and all sorts of other variables. Uh, so we're going to see how that goes. And then as far as trade goes with China, you know, we, the president now is not expected to meet with the, his uh, Chinese counterpart until June. Uh, one day you hear that the, that there's progress. The next day you hear that, well, the tariffs will stay in place e- even after there's an agreement, which the Chinese have said they wouldn't tolerate. So it's very hard to know what's going on there, too. And all of this is contributing to what I would view as an air pocket for economic growth in Q1. We may or may not reaccelerate in the second half, depending upon how all these things play out over time. Uh, but clearly, the, the stock market has sniffed this out. Earnings estimates have gone down. They're down to a minus 3% for Q1. So still positive growth, but not as strong as a year ago, at the same time that the stock market has rallied significantly. So there is some risk in equity prices because, you know, the fundamentals and the market cap have diverged. But the earnings are still growing. I mean, that, that's one thing. Grow but slow, and you're still getting some growth there. The other thing that I think that, you know, we started off the show talking about the Fed and what they might do going forward, you're, th- you're talking about growth, but you also look at inflation. I mean, inflation is sub 2% on an annualized basis. Without the Fed moving interest rates higher, and as long as inflation stays pretty low, the economy can continue to expand. It, it can. I, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that, that markets go through periods of consolidation and whenever the VIX is below 20, which has been the historical average, I always am trying to anticipate when investors will become less complacent and get volatility back to more nor- normal levels. Uh, so, and, and this is basically the approach we've taken as a committee. We've uh, effectively reduced our equity exposure at the margin, not a lot, but a little, uh, as a defensive move. And I think that was well-timed. And we will continue to evaluate how our overall allocation is based on the variables that we're, we're left with, you know, trade deals, you know, earnings estimates, whether the companies actually beat these lowered bars, which is probably likely and at the end of Q1. Uh, the other thing is buyback activity starts to, to end right about now because companies don't want to buy back shares in front of earnings announcements and be accused of front running their their results. So 
I expect volatility remained a little higher than with what we've grown accustomed to. And to me, that creates opportunities for us at Annex and with our investment team. So, Derek, as we get into the spring and into the summer months, you, you bring up volatility. You start to see volume on trades going down, volumes on the markets going down on a daily basis. And that leads to volatility as well. But I'm hearing a cautionary tone from you, which I think is good. I think that, you know, our investment committee, we have pulled off the gas just a little bit, allocated a little bit away from long duration fixed income and interest rate sensitive vehicles pulled a little bit out of the stock markets and we're fairly well positioned I think for the volatility that's to come this summer. Well I mean I, I think the other thing Mark is clearly the risks of a recession. I mean the longer we don't have one the more yeah. likely it is we will. Yep. I mean cycles are cycles. I mean Danny you've bought how many more shirts are you going to buy? You're probably full up on those cools. What are they called? Cools. Yeah the cool that's shirts. It. Yeah and they are cool. Uh, but you know that's true of a lot of people. People have already bought the car. People have already maybe remodeled their home or, or done something with their kitchen. And cycles are cycles. And, and one thing that I find really interesting with the Fez, it seems like their mandate has kind of drifted a little bit. And I think, you know, it used to be just about price stability and unemployment, but it's clearly about the financial markets as well. It is Money Talk for Saturday the 23rd. I'm Danny Clayton. Derek Felsky, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. You swing in a golf club this weekend at all in practice? I might go to the range. Okay. They have a heated bay, and I might do that and just see whether I can still hit a 7-iron. You, I think, are yard-bound. For me, for sure. i got a lot of a lot of work to do, and uh, stay away from the range if Derek's out there, and or at least wear a helmet. Amen to that. 1058, that's it for Money Talk. You want to deal with a local company that's been around a long time, you can trust AnnexWealth.com. You can start that today. Hit that Get Started button again, AnnexWealth.com. Advice and opinions expressed during Money Talk are solely that of the hosts or guests of Annex Wealth Management and not WTMJ Radio or Good Karma Brands Milwaukee, LLC.